blessed by what we do. So often we are a little bit bad about it. If people are out of sight, they're sort of out of our mind. And so um, today I want to make sure that we greet our, our brothers and sisters in Birmingham. Uh, some great things are going on on our Birmingham campus. So the last couple months they've had their first baptisms. And uh, lots of new people that are guests there. And just uh, starting more and more small groups and doing a, doing a great job. And so church, I think they can hear you this morning. Would you let them know that we're behind them here in Montgomery and what they're doing in Birmingham? Uh, let's start off with a little bit of confession this morning. How, how many of you uh, ever watched a soap opera? Just just raise your hand. Okay, soap, soap operas. How many of you didn't like soap operas, but somehow maybe one day your wife was watching it or you just, you just sort of got caught into it and you didn't mean to? Anybody honest enough to say that? Thank you, Brother Tom. I mean, we, we all, you know, it, it, I, I remember doing that myself once. You're just coming home for lunch and all of a sudden I was sort of, sort of hooked because they're, they're really pretty crazy. And the storylines, if you're not careful, they just sort of catch you up. Now, if you pay attention to TV today, there are hardly any soap operas left. And why do you need soap operas in the morning when you got reality TV at night? I mean, you know, it's real, all the craziness. And today, we look at what I would call the closest thing to a soap opera in Scripture. I mean, talking about reality TV... I mean, let me just tell you some of the things going on. Jealousy and lust and drunkenness and wild dancing and wild partying and adultery and incest and murder. I mean, it's really an incredibly crazy passage. I mean, let me tell you the stars of this reality soap opera. You got Herod, who, um, this is one of the sons of the Herod that had all the babies killed when Jesus was born. He had four sons, we had actually five, he had four sons, they divided the territory up among them. And this guy is just a pretty bad guy. Anything you read about him in history, he was very manipulative, he was a murderer, he was jealous, difficult. Now, he is supposedly married to this woman called Herodias, all right? Well, what, what a combination of a name, Herod and Herodias. Uh, I don't mean to be offensive, but I think about our own Johnny and John, you know, Whaley, you know, I'm sorry about that. But Herodias, you know, she was quite the character. She is actually, to tell you how sordid this thing is, she is actually Herod's niece, who had been married to his brother who lived in Rome, who Herod had gone to visit and seduced her to leave his brother. And divorces his wife and marries this wonderful woman in the Bible called Herodias. So he's married to his niece, who used to be his brother's wife. And then she's got this daughter named Salome, who is quite the seductive dancer, we're going to find out. And then we got John the Baptist in here. You know the character he is. I mean, he's rough. He wears camel hair. He eats locusts. He smells bad. I mean, well, it doesn't really say that, but... It's implied in the Greek, all right? I mean, Herod, I mean, John the Baptist is just quite this character. And, and he's in the mix, and he's the only person in all the kingdom with the backbone and guts to stand up against Herod and Herodias. So it's, it's quite the story. Let's get right into it. Mark chapter 6. King Herod, verse 14, heard about this. That's when the disciples went out and Jesus was teaching. 
For Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he's Elijah. And still others claimed he's a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. My friends, this is Herod's nightmare. I mean, we're, we're about to see the story. He has had, had John the Baptist beheaded. He, he haunts him in his dreams. And now he hears these rumors that he might be back and he's scared to death. And so now the Bible gives us a flashback of what happened. Verse 17. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. He'd had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled. Yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, then I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Is that a mistake? You better believe it. I mean, he, you know, is enumerated. I mean, it's a great party going on, all the big time guys around him. Herod is drunk not only with wine but with power and so he wants to show off in front of all the guests and so he says to this girl, you know, you just tell me and I'll do it. Verse 24, she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. And once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guests. He did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. You're talking about a sordid story. Can you imagine? Just put yourself in John the Baptist's place for a moment. There was a part of John the Baptist that... Herod liked. He'd been calling for him to teach him. And in just a couple hours, everything turns, you know. John the Baptist may be thinking, I'm about to get out of here, you know. I mean, Herod likes to listen to me. And then this crazy story happens and his head's off and it's presented to Herodias. Now, that's what really fascinates me in this story. What I've never noticed before is verse 20 because it makes the point we were making about the message last week. And that's that the message of God is both attractive and offensive. I mean, look, look there at verse 20 on the bottom of the screen there. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Never paid attention to that line. I mean, the word there that he liked actually mean he found it sweet to his taste. Now, isn't that wild? Here is John the Baptist, the only dude that will call Herod out. 
and tell him he's a sinner, and yet somehow it's sort of sweet to his taste. Guys, I found this about challenging preaching. There's something about it that we like. It's something about it we don't like. But there's something within us when we hear truth, we're, we're drawn to it. And we're even drawn to conviction. We're even sort of drawn to the offensive part of the message because sometimes it just sort of speaks to our heart that that's really where we are. And so we hear, we've got John the Baptist. Now, another key word there is the word that he was puzzled. And let me give you a definition here of that. He was wavering. He was at a crossroads. Other translation says he's, he was perplexed. He was confused. He was disturbed. He, here's, here's Herod. He's right where we are. I mean, he's attracted to this incredible character of John the Baptist. He's a man of integrity, and he's a man with true words, and yet he's also offended that John the Baptist would confront his lifestyle. And so he finds himself right here in the middle. Really, the word there for puzzled is one of the great Bible words for, for the word doubt. Very similar to the word in James chapter five, 1, verse 5, where he says, A man who doubts is like a double-minded man. His, his mind is going in two directions. And that's what's going on here with, with Herod. On one hand, he likes John the Baptist and knows he's speaking truth. On the other hand, he's offended by him and wants to get rid of him. And so he, he stands here convicted and yet in doubt. He's paralyzed by indecision. He wants to accept the message, but he's afraid. Did you realize that about John the, about Herod? I didn't. I mean, the, the word here, literally, the word here, puzzle. It's a it's it's almost a physical response. Anybody here ever have vertigo? That's that's sort of what it's close to. You're thrown off balance. Anybody ever tried to get on a moving treadmill? Anybody ever failed or fail? You got that moment, you know, that you're trying to step on it, and you get on it, and you're off balance, and either you catch up with it or you're slammed to the floor, and the whole gym laughs at you, right? That's exactly where Herod is. This, this preacher, man, this rough-hewn preacher has, has thrown him off and he, he's lost his balance and he's, he's not so sure what direction that he's going to go to. And so here's what I want to talk about doubts for a little bit this morning. Doubts come to outsiders who are offended by God's message. That's Herod. He's this outsider and he's drawn to it because it's truth, and yet he's offended by it. Listen to me, guys. Everybody in here, whether you come here today as a member of this church, or you come here as our guest, or you're sort of an outsider looking in, there's something the Bible says that you don't like. There's something you read and you go, I really wish it hadn't said that. I wish it didn't say that, you know, about having sex with someone who's not you're not married to. I wish you really had not said that, you know, about greed or, or about gossip or about you name it. And, and that's exactly where Herod finds himself. He's offended by the message. He's full of doubt. Now, here's the part of the story we gotta, we've got to go to Matthew for. Guess who else is also full of doubt? John the Baptist. It's pretty, the, the parallel passage in Matthew 11 lets us in on the secret that not only is Herod sort of thrown off kilter, 
So is John the Baptist. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Just, just look at this passage. Parallel. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? Can you believe that? John the Baptist, he's encountered Jesus. He's named Jesus. He stood to the side and said, don't follow me, follow him. Behold the Lamb of God. He's baptized him. He knows about what he's done. Because he's in a prison cell and things aren't what he expected. And he begins to doubt. Am I really giving my life for someone who may not be who I think he is? Jesus replies, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I love that last line because Jesus knows he's offensive. The word there for stumble is, blessed is the man who's not offended because of me. Blessed is the person who does not fall away because of me. He knows, John the Baptist, I put you in a really bad position. You're about to lose your life. I know it makes no sense. Please don't be offended. Please don't fall away because of the confusion and the vertigo of this very moment. So let's mark this down. Doubt not only comes to outsiders offended by God's message, doubt comes to insiders offended by God's timing. I mean, to John the Baptist, I mean, he's lived a righteous life. Even Herod recognizes that. Jesus certainly recognizes it. He's done all the right things, and yet his life is not living up to expectations. He thinks you follow God, man, everything's going to fall in place, and everything is falling apart. And now he's locked in a prison at the whim of this wicked leader and this wicked woman who every any moment now is going to have his head cut off. And John begins to question, am I looking at things the right way? You ever been there? One of the psalmists, a faithful psalmist, Psalm 73, my feet are almost about to slip. You're stepping on the treadmill and you're off balance and you're not sure if you're going to fall away or you're going to catch up with speed. We experience that. Maybe today you're experiencing that right now. I mean, you come here, you know, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've attempted to do the right things and live your life the right way and raise your family the right way. And quite frankly, things aren't quite turning out that way. At least on the outside, things are crumbling. You've got a health issue you never thought you'd have. You've got a problem with your children that you didn't expect. You've got issues in your own life that you never asked for. And you're full of a little bit of doubt. Now, here's what I want to close out on. How do we handle doubt? How do, how do you deal with doubt? Let's use this acrostic, okay? There's some great things we learned from these two characters, the insider and the outsider. First of all, don't feel guilty about it. Don't put yourself on a guilt trip today because you are feeling doubt. Now, I, I remember being in a Bible class years ago where someone was expressing some real doubts about God and expressing them sort of openly, not ugly, but just sort of saying, I have a hard time with this part of the Bible. I have a hard time with this about God, or I don't understand this. And I'll never forget someone else in the classroom saying, brother, you shouldn't even ask those kind of questions. Don't even ask those questions. Listen to me. Jesus never said that. Does Jesus get mad with John the Baptist because he questions? I mean, I think it'd be easy to go, come on, John, you know who I am. You've met me. 
What, what do you mean you're now doubting? Don't even ask those kind of questions. No, no, Jesus says, send them on. John the Baptist asked the question. Jesus sends a reply that not only told who he was, but also quoted Old Testament scripture. You don't need to feel guilty about your doubts. In fact, Jude chapter 22 says, here's what we're to do with people among us who doubt. He says, we are to be merciful to those who doubt. Why should we be merciful? Because we've all been there, if we'd be honest. The problem is many of us just continue because we feel guilty about asking the tough question. We just continue to put it down and put it down. And we feel guilty about asking it, so we stuff it. And that's what happens one day is it explodes and all of a sudden you've left your family, you've left the church. And everybody goes, well, why did that happen? What happened? Because Satan convinced you that it wasn't okay to have doubts. Because doubts are part of the deal. So first of all, don't. Don't feel guilty about it. Second, look at, look at it as an opportunity to examine your life. It's an opportunity to examine the foundation of your life. Because, see, see, here's what happens, guys. Doubts come up when our worldview, the way we look at life, is challenged by reality that doesn't fit it. That's what happened with Herod. Herod is a power-hungry, manipulative man. He abuses people all over the place. Dog eat dog. Now, if you're that way, how do you get to be that way? You believe that everybody's that way. You think, you know what? Yeah, I'm pushing some people down. I'm walking over some people. I'm abusing people. Well, they'd do the same to me if they had the chance. Everybody's just out for themselves. That's what Herod believes. That's his worldview. That's the way he behaves. But all of a sudden, he has been confronted by a man who's none of those things. By a man of integrity. He can't say, well, you know, how about John the Baptist? What's his angle? What's he trying to get out of me, you know? I'm sure he's just out for himself. Here's a man willing to risk his life, you know, to stand up for Herod. And, 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 the Herod, and Herod is challenged by that. He didn't know there were people like that who existed. Who actually just told the truth. Who weren't puppets to other people. Who didn't try to manipulate the situation. And Herod has to stop and think. Maybe my worldview's wrong. John the Baptist is in the same position. I mean, you know, man, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm making the way for him. I'm living a righteous, holy life. And I've given up all the, the um, you know, the niceties of, 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 of life to go out and live in the wilderness and preach a message of repentance. I mean, certainly God is going to bless me. Now he's about to die. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I, I really consider myself a, an optimist. I, I normally see the best in people and the best. And I, and I always, always, my worldview is things just get better. The country ought to get better. I ought to get better. Church ought to get better. That's just, that's, that, that is the worldview that, that it, however I got it, I don't know. But, but that's the way I've looked at things. Everything's just supposed to get better. But the truth is, just like John the Baptist, I've been confronted in life that that is not an accurate worldview. Everything does not get better. The country doesn't always get better. I don't always get better. The church doesn't always get better. Life doesn't always get better. That, that's an American view of, of, of the, that's just, it does, if it hadn't hit you yet, that does not fit reality. 
And so what happens when, when, when it hits reality, then you've got to step back and you've got to question your view. That's what John the Baptist has to do. That's what we have to do. If you, you brought up believing that whoever serves God, God won't let anything bad happen to good people. I'm telling you, you've got a false worldview. And at some place, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run into reality. And at some place, you're going to have to decide whether you're going to believe or not. Maybe, maybe you have a belief, you know, that through material possessions, you can protect your life and build a security around yourself. And you've been confronted these last few years that you can lose it all. Maybe your, your security is found in your intellect, you know, and that you can figure life out and have all the great answers, you know, and you're a modern person, you know, and, and you don't need the mystery of religion because we're, we're smart people beyond that. And if anything was proven in the last century is that intellect does not lead to great things happening in the world. Some of the worst things happened in the world in the last century when knowledge was exploding. And your worldview is confronted. Or maybe your worldview is confronted because you thought, you know, you shouldn't have to suffer. And you're suffering. And, and here's what happens, guys. Is somehow, when life hits that point where it's not working the way you anticipated it working, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing for you to step back and examine what is the truth. And, and that's where Jesus comes in because... Listen to me, guys. All those worldviews just, I've just named, Jesus confronts every one of them. So that brings me to the next step, is to understand it's about Jesus. Because as you deal with your doubts and you try to decide whether you're going to have faith or whether you're going to reject this, here's what I challenge you to do. You've got to keep going back to Jesus. It's not about other people. You see, that was Herod's problem. Herod was drawn to the message. I mean, the implication here is that Herod, can you imagine, wouldn't that have been cool? Herod could have turned the right way. But why wouldn't he? Because he didn't want to lose face with his cronies and his nagging wife. And listen to me. As long as you make this about other people, you're in trouble. Oh man, I don't... I don't believe that Christianity thing. Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Okay, you just keep on. You go to hell with them, okay? Oh, I don't believe in this, you know. 20 years ago, you know, I went to this church and they did that and I got mad. And man, you'll never catch me getting involved in church again. Or you know what? I mean, I mean, because we, we make it about other people. Or I can't go there because sitting on the other side of the worship center is somebody I had a bad deal with in business. Listen to me, guys. That's a ploy of Satan. As long as you keep making it about other people, you're never going to have to come face to face and deal with Jesus. Now, no, I, I just lied. That's not true. One day you will come face to face with Jesus. The question is, are you going to do it on this earth or are you going to do it in the judgment day? Because that's what it's about, guys. It's not about... Boy, but I was offended, buddy, by what you said last week. Okay, that's all right. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And what are you going to do with him? What's going to happen between you and Jesus? I challenge you. You know, take all your doubts, lay it down before him. But at some point you got to go, is this guy who he says he is or not? That's why we're studying the book of Mark, guys. It's all over it, man. He's powerful, he's miraculous, he's compassionate, he's strong, he's offensive. I mean, we're seeing the best picture of God possible. And guys, it's not just a nice little story for us to read like, a, like I've said, a soap opera. It's to confront you with truth. 
And the question is, what do you do with him? I mean, you're just going to look at him as another religious teacher, just a great guy, philosopher, just somebody you grew up with, you know, because you went to church. Are you going to be confronted that he is the Lord of life and he is the only one who actually makes sense of what's going on in your life? You've got to deal with Jesus. You will one day. And then, you know, B is be willing to ask the tough questions. Jesus gave John the Baptist answers. He wasn't offended. Because Christianity is not afraid of you examining it. God wants you to examine. He wants you to look at it. If you've got some questions, ask them. If things aren't adding up on life, see, here's what I figured out. When things didn't add up in my life the way I thought they ought to be, you know, it made me go back to the Bible. And all of a sudden I figured out Jesus hadn't promised me what I thought he'd promised me. <laughs> he never promised me everything's always going to get better. He just didn't. In fact, he told me some things are going to get worse. So I had to make my reality face his reality. And so ask the questions, guys, because listen to me. We are talking here about doubt and faith. Listen, faith is not 100% proof. Or you wouldn't call it faith. And guys, the, the, the point here is not the amount of faith that you may have. It's the object of your faith. You see what I'm saying? Let's say you're about to be thrown off a cliff and and you look and there's a a limb sticking out and you can catch the limb. And you don't really know whether the limb's strong or not. But the truth is, the limb can hold you up. Now, when you're being thrown off, you may think, there's a slight chance maybe this limb will save me. 10% chance it'll save me. Truth is, it doesn't matter if you're at 10%, 50%, or 80%. If you grab onto that limb, you're going to be okay. And guys, when it comes to faith, if you're waiting on 100% proof, if you're waiting on 100% surety, not can come. That's okay. Because it's not the amount or the quality even of your faith that matters. It's the object of your faith. And what, what I'm trying to say to you is, I believe that Jesus is worthy of being the object of your faith. Now guys, here's the truth. So, well, you know what, buddy? Um... I just, I just, I just can't do this faith thing. Let me tell you something. You're going to do this faith thing one way or the other. You have no choice about that. Either you're going to put faith in Jesus or you're going to put faith in the world. I mean, none of us have the option to go, well, I'm not dealing with the faith thing. You can put your faith in the world's philosophy that you're just an you know, amoeba that evolved and that will one day die, and that'll be it. That's faith. I mean, you, you, you're putting your trust in that world philosophy. You can put your philosophy in the American way of life that it's all about my pursuit of happiness, you know, and, and that's what counts. You can put your faith in those things. You're going you're gonna to put your faith in something. So here's what you got to do is you need to ask the tough questions, and you need to weigh it out and go, what makes sense of this place? I'm going to tell you, I don't think anything makes sense of this place like Jesus. There was, a, there was a French philosopher in the 17th century. You might probably have heard about this. It's a very crude way of putting this, but it's called Pascal's Wager. You may have heard of that? And, and, and what he decided was, one way or the other, you're going to gamble. Because it's not 100%. And what Pascal says is, you'd be a whole lot smarter to bet your life on God than to bet your life against God. So that brings me to the last point. 
the last point is that here, here's what's going to happen is you're going to come to a time you're going to come to a time of decision a time to make a decision there's a point where it's going to come together you you've got to make a decision now you say well buddy I, you know again buddy i keep telling you i'm not playing this game i'm not making a decision i'm just going to live my life out listen to me you just made a decision you cannot avoid this decision so i like verse 21 in our study today it said when the opportune time came now the implication there it was the opportune time for Herodias, but i'm also telling you it was the opportune time for herod herod had a chance to stand up herod had a chance to say you know what i figured out this guy's a righteous guy and i shouldn't be married to you and i'm gonna clean my life up wouldn't that have been something but herod in the moment of truth chooses to cave to his cronies at a cocktail party. And by the time we get to the end of Mark, guess what? Herod meets Jesus. And Jesus won't say a word to him. Listen to me. If God is moving in your life, if you are feeling something, if the way your life is going right now and the way you looked at life is not working, I mean, you bumped up to reality. Your expectations were one way and you're bumping up to reality. Listen to me. Take advantage of this opportunity. This is a point of decisiveness in your life. Because listen to me. Listen closely. Ten days from now, ten months from now, ten years from now, you may not care. I mean, Herod had this one opportunity in his life that came together. He's drawn to the message. He's offended that the point comes and he backs down. John the Baptist is drawn to Jesus and yet offended by what Jesus is letting happen to him. And he stands up and believes. And I say to you today, if God is moving in your heart, act on it. If you're being drawn to God, you say, well, it's not 100%. It never will be. Come to a decision. Make your mind up. You know what? I am going to cast my life on Jesus. There's a lot of different philosophies. But he makes more sense than anybody else. I think he's the son of God. It seems evident he resurrected. He must have been somebody. I mean, listen to me. What I want to do is I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make a decision, you guys, because here's what happens is if you put off this opportunity on and on and on, your heart will grow hard and there will come a day where you will not make a decision. Some of you teenagers, you're growing up in a church, you know, and good things going on, but you're just playing with it. Come on. You need to make a decision. Some of us adults, we just sort of load our way in this. We just sort of become lukewarm about it, you know, and this is confronting us and saying, you know what, you need to, you, you need to step it up, man. It's time that you really not just be a nice little church member. It's time that you became a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, you, you're, you're getting serious about it. And the, the deal is, when, the, when that decision moment comes, which we're about to face one in just a moment, are you going to act on it? Or you keep putting it off? Are you going to be more afraid of what someone would think about you if you walk down this aisle than what Jesus thinks about you? Are you more concerned that someone might know your marriage is in trouble than coming up here and getting the prayers of all of God's people to Almighty God? I mean, what will you do? 
And, and, and the challenge of the story is when that moment comes and things come together, you got to make that decision. Because listen to the last points here. In the moment of truth, John, because of his faith, feared nothing at the cost of his life. I love John the Baptist. He was fearless. He had some doubts. But, but boy, once he was reconfirmed in his beliefs, he was fearless and willing to give his life. Herod, because of his unbelief, feared people at the cost of his soul. He was more concerned with what his cronies and evil wife thought about him than he was about what God thought about him. Listen to me. My friends, this story is not just a soap opera. It is a tragedy. And it's not the tragedy you think. The tragedy is not that John the Baptist died. He was way better off. The tragedy is that Herod missed his opportunity to follow God. That's the tragedy. This morning, will you follow? Is today the day you're ready to become a Christian? Is today the day that you're ready? Your worldview is clashed with his. And you know what? The truth is the way you've looked at life is not right. And you need to embrace his way. Could today be that day? You've got a moment of decision. Will you move? Will you act? Or will you pass away that moment? You might never have it again. I don't know. But will you pass away from that moment? You see, the tragedy is not that Harry got killed. The tragedy is that this evil guy who God gave a chance passed up his opportunity. Don't dare do that. Let's stand together and sing.